So, um, can you still hear me? Good. <laughs> so I'd like to uh, welcome each and every one of you to this uh, talk with you uh, this afternoon. I'd like to uh, speak for around uh, 30, 30, 30 minutes uh, with you. And then perhaps a couple of... Uh, an, point, announcement, ask you a couple of things, any questions. So the central theme for the um, talk this afternoon um, is on uh, trust. And I'd like to touch upon this uh, area of trust with some relevance um, to our daily life. There. I would like to make a um, distinction which um, between belief, faith and trust. So in that which we hear and read and know about, um, and in this case the current situation is an example, it can well be that as we listen and as we read and as we hear, there is in that recognition, something may sound quite true to us, but it may not be based on any actual experience. And so there is a certain belief sometimes in what we hear. That may show itself in the media, of course, um, in various conversations. And it's quite some mindfulness for us if we repeat something which we have heard or listened to see if we can remember to start the sentence with, I believe this or I heard this, or I read this. So instead of kind of owning it, it's actually, there is a, enough mindfulness and remembrance to remember the source of the information. And that this came from somewhere else, and you or myself, this example, might be sharing it with another. And where it came from may also be a belief. And this is particularly true from keeping the virus in mind as the reference with regard to what happened in the past, to what is happening in the present, and to what is happening in the future. 
to take example. Um, one person said to me, working in a hospital in another country, that means not Germany, not um, Britain, uh, and knew from the family members some of the doctors in the hospital. The doctors expressed a view, but the view would have to be, as it is with us, confined to the environment, to that situation. And none of us have the authority, in a way, to make a generalized view based on something specific. And therefore, I said to repeat a little bit, I heard this, I listened to this, I uh, read this, and out of that, there, I speak to others about this. This is belief. And similarly, each time we speak about the future, because this whole experience is social upheaval and social crisis and political economic health crisis there, it's very easy to form beliefs about the future. We have to say, this is what I believe. This is what I um, uh, interpret at the present. So that we're keeping a modesty and a humility in the viewpoint of what happened, what is happening, and what might happen. Otherwise, if we don't, agitation, intensity, conviction, uh, cynicism, self-righteousness, it would tend easily to bring out of us the more um, ugly, shall we say, aspects of the being. So calmly, I believe this. From my perception, it appears it could go like this. So a belief in its healthy aspect genuinely has some space around it. If there's no space around it, it's dogmatism. It's arrogance. It's an intolerance of another way of looking. So we respect the beliefs. We remember to have some space around it, which enables us to hear in a fresh way, to hear other views, which might change for us very, very quickly. It's important at this time, there's an underlying a lot of stress, aggression, fear taking place, and possibly some aspect of that is the intensity around the belief, increasing the levels of stress, fear, worry, and blame. Belief would be in the picture somewhere. There is faith, slightly different. It's a nuance, but worth looking at. With a, when we have faith there, it's, we listen to the other, <clears throat> whoever he, she, what might be, 
and we appreciate and acknowledge the voice of authority. This person, she or he has done their homework. She or he is an expert and knowledgeable in their field. It is communicated to us in a mindful and insightful way. It's not based on our experience, but we have faith in what we hear and what we listen to. And that faith in the other, we remember where the faith is, and out of that movement can come an expression of communication with the other based on our faith in the authority. That's faith. There is also faith in something which I cannot prove. Religious people will, will have faith that there is life after death. Um, scientific materialists have faith that there is no life after death. Neither can be proved from, so to speak, where we are. It's a faith that one is right. Trust, which is what the Dharma is about, is not based on belief and it's not reliant on faith in authority called the person, the past, the authority in the present, um, uh, the book, or whatever the object of faith might be. Trust is based on experience. It's based on something which we see and know and sometimes sense with ourselves there. And that trust also here is what is my response to the events, the social events that are taking place? What ways are there outreach taking place? Is there trust in what I engage in now, which will be of benefit in the present and the future? This is trust. So I have an experience of being in this situation. Out of that experience, there, there is some learning and understanding, meditating, reflecting on. And that trust leads to some steps, to some concern. That concern has a trust in it because it's a benefit there and there is a trust it will be of benefit in the future. And therefore trust is different from hope. In the Buddha Dharma, in the Buddha's teachings, it's very difficult to find the word for hope. It's much more on trust, on experience, leading to action. Therefore, not living in hope. In just um, I don't know how it is for uh, uh, for, uh, for you uh, there, but just to keeping with the situation uh, here, and I think the parallel would be France, Italy, and Spain. So looking at the figures today, 
from uh, last night, it seems that the number of people in Germany, if I recall correctly, who have uh, uh, died from the coronavirus is around 5,800. I've got my figures correct. I think in France, our neighbours, yours and Britain's neighbours, the numbers is much higher, it's around four times higher. It's around 22,000. And yesterday in Britain, the numbers turned the 20,000 mark, 20,300. And it's just three weeks ago that one of our senior medical officers on television, well remembered by many of us, made a statement, um, we will be very pleased if we can keep the number of deaths, which in Britain are only counted by those who died in the hospital, under 20,000. If we can keep it under 20,000, it's been a very, it's been a useful, successful social isolation. Three weeks later, we've already passed the number. And what happens, this is the point here. With all good intentions, there is a wish and a hope. There's a hope. No evidence, no prior experience obviously, uh, uh, there, and it was a belief and a wish and a hope. And the problem for you, for me, if I live in hopes, wishes, um, beliefs, and it doesn't happen, the psyche, the feeling life, drops a little bit. A little bit and for some a lot. There is a feeling of disappointment. The, that which was wanted and hoped for didn't happen and the heart just drops. And when the national psyche heart drops, the feeling of getting a bit depressed by the situation agitated, stressed by the situation, takes place among millions of people. And all that we heard, I watched the news just occasionally, watched it last night, and that, num that round number of 20,000 was passed, as I say, within three weeks. So please do, with your communications with people, be very mindful of your communications. Is it Belief? Is it hope? Is it trust based on experience? Is it faith in authority? Know what we hear. Check with what we hear. Check with what we say. Take care. Because the voice requires our wisdom. And if we've got a mindfulness practice for us at this time, my goodness, it's the voice. More than the formal posture, it's the voice. There. <clears throat> so far, let me just have a sip of the, the water, if I may.
So far, personally, I know nine or ten people with coronavirus. And some are dear friends. Nobody actually where I live in Totnes. Um, those with the, uh, uh, the virus, bed bound. Um, have told me, informed me, of course, of some of them, of their, of their uh, situation. And as those of you who uh, uh, work in the field or, or know people, the incredible impact that it has, both on, obviously, on the health, but it's that sense for some people, some of the two or three of my friends have been now in been in bed between three and six weeks and one is in their 30s the other is in the early 40s this is two different countries and just that slow journey towards recovery and people in communication it requires uh, for, for that an ability with us to stay really connected. It requires a trust and it requires a, tr a certain trust from the sick person as well to take it, as we so often say, one day at a time there in this whole process which is going on because that gives us a quiet strength to deal with today and whatever today may bring. So please do keep the outreach going. Family, friends, strangers, keep the voice alive. There's an incredible wish and need out there for support. And if you find yourself in some feeling of isolation rather than appreciation of aloneness, feeling some loneliness. Do make that initiative, let people know. Mindfulness, and I've much love of the Buddha for this, which you said repeatedly, repeatedly. Mindfulness is both inner and outer. It is not a personal event. It was never intended uh, in that way. And what that means is, yes, we do really need to be mindful of our situation. Meditate, reflect, look at the voice, look at what we uh, absorb inwardly. That is precious. But mindfulness is two-way. It's not a one-way street. And therefore, mindfulness of the outer, mindfulness of the other. And some people will do need our presence, do need our support. And if you're one who needs some support, some recognition or communication, it may be you will have to take the step. And the reason is, this is from what I hear, 
we, whoever the we are, some people give an impression of great independence, happy in their own silence and solitude, seem to be getting on well with things. And some of the um, emails and communications of certain people who I have known through retreats and uh, other situations. Some of those people appear very strong, very um, assured, working in um, a variety of precious uh, professions or as parents and more. Some of those people are struggling much more than I thought would be. And it's a kind, one person emailed me and said it was a shock to herself of what was going on inside of her in which she's only able to go out, she's keeping the rules very seriously, perhaps for an hour a day for a walk or to the grocer's shop and come back. So if you're outside, it can only be for walking maybe one hour or two hours a day. And I find that for myself. So essentially 22 hours a day, myself and many, many others are indoors. Even though we can walk outside, might be able to walk with one or two people. But we're indoors. And in that indoor life, the inner life, feelings, thoughts, memories, views about oneself, genuinely can get quite strong. As I say, some people say it's a shock to themselves uh, of feeling sad, which they don't usually feel, feeling upset, painful childhood memory, and so forth. Do, if that does happen for you, if possible, do reach out. Sometimes a little bit of love and appreciation from one other person brings back the feeling, okay, there is some issues, but essentially I'm okay. And therefore, some of the unresolved isn't kind of impacting on you. You know, just, we still need the mindfulness, we need the practices, we do not wish to be overwhelmed because of a certain contracted life, let's say, 20, for plenty of people, 20 hours a day, 22 hours a day. I, I might have mentioned, I went to my, to the, I was out walking, actually jogging, then came back through the railway station at Totnes, you know, small country town railway station. The train running from London, Paddington, down to Plymouth. As I came down the steps, the train was still in the station there. And looking along the, the carriages uh, there, large train, London to Cornwall, to Plymouth, the next city, there, four people on the train, five o'clock yesterday afternoon. That's the extent of what the lockdown is. And that social isolation, so others, as to repeat, may have, fairly strong oh 
he's fine, she's fine, they've done a lot of meditation, they love aloneness, it's no problem for them, they're in the silence, they, they can meditate all day. But the person may not be experiencing it. We've got to keep the ears and the eyes open. We've got to think of our friends and family. We mustn't assume that we really know the person. And therefore, our contacts, our love and our friendship is extra important at this time. That, that's why the Buddha says, there is mindfulness which is inner and there is mindfulness which is outer. And not one is more important than the other. Not one is more important than the other. And this time is a really um, um, a, a, a precious time. Just, just um, fine, uh, uh, finally with you. Um, I'm finding, I don't know how it is for you, I'm, um, with the quietitude and the being at home and um, doing the small tasks at, at home, I have upstairs a um, desktop computer. Um, uh, actually, it might be, it hasn't got any virus, but it might be on its last days. <laughs> keep having these glitches. So I got the idea. I'm, I'm, I think lots of people must, you know, in their home, we start looking at the house. What do I need to do around this house? You know, I have a small um, terraced house, you know, I'm looking outside now in the street, 56 houses, you know, just one instantly forgettable little street in a small town, etc. And I asked the electrician to come round very sweetly to put two plug points in. I'll get to the story in a minute. You get put two plug points in in order that the desk and the room with the office, which has got hundreds of books in it and blah, 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 to put it in the bay window, the desk. So it's upstairs, it's now in the bay window with a lovely view over Totnes. Really, actually, quite, even look at it now, quite lovely view there. And then all set up, all the wiring, blah, 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 blah. And then everything worked well, the router still worked, it switched on all right, the printers linked up all right. When I went to put on some um, music, yeah, there was a fuzziness. So they asked her, Ulla, because she's the whiz kid on these things, and she checked out, so maybe some wires locked together, blah, 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 there. And did everything, etc. And then, because I am no techno, I, my 10-year-old grandson knows more than I know, uh, there. And so I was fiddling around with it last night, there, had no idea what I was doing, and lo and behold, it worked. I had no idea it worked. I turned on, well, the fuzz is gone. Do you know what the first thing I did was? I went to Dave Bowie, who I kind of loved a bit, and he sang in Berlin in 2002, and he starts off with a little bit of outrageous humor with his the woman with the guitarist but in a very playful way and i thought gosh 
Dave's in really good spirits. And he sang, you know, the, the, this song about heroes. You could be a hero just for one day. And I just sat in front. I think my neighbors at the bottom of the street could have heard the sound. There. And just total attention, total presence, watching Dave Bowie on stage do this amazing um, performance. Uh, there. He was right in the zone. And then at the, um, the end of it, he tapped himself on the heart. He said, I felt that, I felt that. And I said, yeah, we did too, Dave. Uh, there. And sometimes, to say this, there's the ordinariness of the day. We need events in the ordinariness of the day that touch us, that bring about a response. The arts have that duty. That's the point. Music has that duty. Dharma has that duty. And this, these contacts matter a great deal. We've got to keep the human spirit alive and well, because out of the human spirit will come the best out of us. That's why we have our arts. That's why we have the Dharma. That's why we have the practices. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Good. So I'm going to do um, unmute you all, all in one go. <laughs> all right. So um, anything you'd like to uh, touch upon in this uh, period? So either, as usual, could be some, ah, there are some notes, hang on. All right, so I'll, I'll read, to, read to you the note, and anyone else just um, type it uh, in. We need, can you all hear okay still, all good? We need to know the difference between a deep concern about the situation, whether personal, social, global and suffering, a deep concern is not suffering. This is what I said yesterday. For suffering to arise, it means old patterns must impact on the present. Question is, what does that mean? Often I feel very sad and powerless, even without watching or reading a lot of news. There's really um, uh, some good points um, being, being made here. The dedication to what is, to the living present, and the one that I spoke to you about a few moments ago. I'll, I'll just, I'll put it on the mute for a moment, because there's lots of little extra sound if I can. Okay. And then I'll come back. I'll just put on mute, then I'll mute you off. All right. Okay. So, in the present situation, we are challenged to give our presence, energy, interest, and attention to this. 
It certainly isn't easy. But very easily, things unrelated to this, we might call it powerlessness. As the person said, sadness. Easily, even if the relationship is distant, lands upon this. And it can still land, as the person points out, I'm not looking at the news, re reading newspapers every day. I'm not checking on social media. I'm not watching the radio about the virus. I'm not watching the television about or listening to the radio. I'm actually absorbing very little, but still I feel powerless and sad uh, with the situation. The sadness, I think is healthy. I think it's healthy. Can't imagine not feeling sad at times about what's happening to our species, what's happening to millions of people, and we are the privileged people. You know, we have a home, we have health services, we can be treated. I think there are genuinely things to be sad uh, about. But the sadness doesn't have to contribute to the powerlessness. Powerlessness is something else. And powerlessness is a view based on a perception of something being so big which gives one the increased impression of being so small. And though at a relative level, that might be true. Um, I can't remember what the number is, but I think it might be 3 million people currently have COVID-19 on the planet. About 300 million, if I remember rightly. And we look at that, and then we think of ourselves, and we can feel powerlessness. So the comparison reduces, through the general, the big picture, the sense of being small. And the smaller we feel, the more powerless we are. Something in the relationship of the small, as the fact, to the big, has to change in such a way that we feel our authority and our humanity to respond. You know, it's almost saying, I'm, no matter how big the situation is, how difficult and impossible, impossible it is, I am not going to go quiet. That's power. I'm not going to feel powerless. And that means that one starts today showing one's power. You could write to the politicians, you could ring people up, you could organize a, a, a Skype meeting with uh, a few people, you could send out some texts and uh, messages, you could express your concerns, you're not going to go, as our poets say, quietly into the night. That's power.
and still recognizing I'm a small human being out of 7 billion on this earth and 300 million or whatever the figure is um, are uh, uh, tragically have this virus. Otherwise, we live our life not being true to our power, not being true to what we can express. And we have to, 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 to discover that. And, and, and the best way to do it is to find some outlet and expression for it. It's there. And it might just take a, a few steps and think, yes, yes, the authenticity is back. The power is back. I am a human being and I have some empowerment. Right, let me see if there are any other good uh, questions. I hope that's helpful. I'm just wandered down the page here, so sorry. What about when trust disappears, whether in authorities due to mixed messages, how can it be um, rebuilt? Nice, good questions. Good questions are the kind of uh, the juice of the Dharma. Um, I share this. The, I share the same concerns. Um, meaning, I uh, read and I listen. As a writer and speaker, small voice, um, engage in um, plenty of research, lots of note taking, lots of reflections, and a, if I may say, rather well established voice uh, inside, which says, Yes, there's a certain trust, but not too much, not exaggerated. To give a very small example, it's a very quick, quick example. The Prime Minister, Prime Minister, you know, sadly, um, succumbed to uh, coronavirus. Positive messages were being put out. And I listened there, and I said to a friend who was actually here with me, Peter at the time, I said, if one really listens, what I do not trust what I am listening to. I think his health condition is far more serious than what is being acknowledged. And 24 hours later, he's in intensive care, bordering between life and death. So sometimes we listen as the person. We may not have the trust. Then we've got some homework to do. We've got to explore. We have to find ways to learn, to see what our understanding is and find ways to express it. If I can't, 
the Dharma teachings are very, you know, clear on this. It's one of the few occasions with the Buddha where he says, self, he says, I'll tell you the Pali, atahi atanunato. It's one of the few occasions where he uses self. He says, if you can't find anyone to trust in around, you really are not sure who or what to believe, you will need to turn inwardly to take refuge in here and look in here, see where the trust is and see what you can express, which has got love in it, which has um, empathy, which has compassion. So if it's not there, little dig, little deeper here, see what shows the love. Right, let me have um, another uh, uh, look. Yeah, and I, I find for myself when there's um, say some loss of trust, no, um, one's well, been in a relationship there, and something happens in the relationship. Something um, unfortunate, one want, just wished he or she, or what it was, didn't happen, but it did. And it has a real impact on trust. I mean, real impact on it. And one just knows if one is going to stay in the situation where one, let's say, has been betrayed, you've been let down, given so much love and so much trust, and this person has been, um, as we say, unfaithful. Now, I'm reminded of this because of an email just, just uh, a few days ago. And then what is going to rebuild the trust? One is, not being dependent on what happened. Clear about it, honest about it, but not keep going over it. A second is, has the person, she or he, expressed some regret and acknowledgement for what happened? That helps to rebuild the trust. And the person only has to say it once or twice is enough. So not holding to the past, not putting blame on the other, being patient, practicing in the way that we do, and the trust will rebuild. Trust comes out of long clinging. Loss of trust arises through clinging. That's how it is. All right, how are we doing? One more, if there's any more. No, I think it's all good. Thank you for the lovely and important uh, question uh, to, to then. I would just like to ask, um, Sonia and I have been in regularity of email contact this last couple of minutes now. Um, I emailed 
um, three of the teachers who are offering online courses. Um, I think for two of them, it is for sure, um, the first time. As you probably realized with us, um, um, being a little bit wiser after the event, what I mean by that is that I needed to have contacted uh, the ward house um, earlier uh, in April. This is what happens, you see. This is, this is um, too much confidence in Germany. This is, uh, uh, and what I mean, mean by that is, I was looking at your figures for, and the incredible work that Mrs. Merkel and her team and others are doing and how well you seem to be looking after this coronavirus. Uh, the numbers were very modest and small. People had access um, to the health services and uh, much, much more. I, I thought, wow, they might just open up the doors and allow um, some more social gatherings, some groups to come together. You know, it might be small hotels, it might be re retreat centers, places of worship. It might just begin to open the doors up. So I waited and waited and waited and waited. And then, and then it, no, no, it's not going to happen. It's too early, too early. Yeah. So the outcome, Sonia and I, rather quickly, in the space of two or three days, put the program together. We sent it out to you. We do apologize. I apologize here for being a little bit late uh, with uh, uh, all of this. And it's a learning curve. So I, uh, then I asked three of the teachers, got replies back today, last night, today. And a um, um, couple of the things which stood out. One is one of the teachers has two or three periods a day of meditation in a group in Zoom. Understand? So half an hour is put aside and people come and sit. Well, let's, let, I'm just thinking here, like 11 to 11.30. Zoom is on. One person, perhaps one of the yogis, meditators, leads, facilitates the group. She or he starts it, gives the gong a ring, maybe say a couple of words at the end, and there's a, there's, the Sangha is meeting as a meditation group in Zoom. Uh, uh, that's one way. Um, another is um, managers had a group, because they prepared theirs long before Sonia and uh, I, and they had a manager. So at the moment, Sonia's been doing a lot of the managing work, doing some of it, of course, with, uh, etc. And so next time there'll be we we would have a manager. But I'm wondering as well, with the teaching and anything else, is there anything that you feel might be of support or benefit that we could uh, offer? or introduce, or whatever. Any, any thoughts in terms of mindfulness, meditations, and practices, or whatever. Just wonder if, you, if any of you 
let me just see if you're um the uh all right okay i'm muted <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. No, I'm just wondering, are uh, you thinking about now, like when you speak, or after? No, it's still the... <laughs> oh, she's going to plug in the mic. <laughs> no, um, Christopher, I'm just wondering Good. if you're thinking about now, here during the retreat. I'm, or whether you're thinking after? Well, it's a little bit, to be honest, a little bit of both. So Sonia and I, with the form, wish to, obviously, we have the form and it's getting established and we don't want to interrupt it dramatically. But I just wonder if there's anything which would be supportive or helpful in any way. I don't have any specific ideas, just the one that I like that Martin, Martin Elward was doing was a, a Zoom um, meditation with, a, with a, a lead to start and finish. I thought that was, that was a nice, that would encourage a, a sitting, maybe do that twice a day. But it's just an idea. I mean, I, I think it would be good. I mean, I, even last year, I think we talked about it, um, that a lot of us were looking at finding a meditation group uh, locally. Yes. Um, so having something after the retreat would, would definitely be nice. I mean, right now I'm doing my yoga teachers organizing something online. Some of my friends are also doing yoga, where, as you say, then one, you know, is taking the lead. And yeah, so uh, having something that's organized is, is yeah. definitely helpful. And it's also a way of like structuring things. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Great. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Sonia and I will, you know, kind of explore this. Yeah. Anyone else? Any observations or anything that might be helpful? All right, so um, let's just have, should we have um, two or three minutes together? And just to mention this evening, which will be 8 p.m. your time and um, 7 p.m. my, my time, um, we'd like to start punctually. And the first 20 minutes will be a guided meditation. Second 20 minutes will be a talk on another theme and as today invitation for any kind of uh, questions or responses it'd be uh, lovely to uh, hear your voices so you, anything else any responses from anybody today um yeah. just wanted to, to ask you if you, um, you know about the different situation in germany um, compared to great britain as i've for me it was the first time to hear that you're allowed only to be 
one hour outdoors and this is no 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 so i'm sorry to no that's not the case i didn't okay. uh, i didn't make it clear i said from my from walking going out because it's encouraged to walk or to just to go to the shop and to only go out once a day it does mean that for most people they will only be out maybe one or two hours in a day okay that, that, that's there's not a limit but the reality is people are not spending hours and hours out walking that, 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 that's the reality and I think probably in Germany as well I don't know but certainly here that's that's the uh, maybe a little bit with the weather here but also other factors <laughs> Okay, because we in Germany, we have many people outside uh, enjoying the weather and uh, being in, in the gardens or the parks, something like that. Only the, the playgrounds are closed or football fields, yeah. but everything yeah. else you can, can go to, can go into the nature. It's completely different than, for example, in Spain, we have a colleague living in Spain. They are not allowed to leave the house within the next three kilometers around the house they're yeah. really confined to stay at home they're not allowed to go into the forest into the nature wow. and this is completely different in in germany so i think the, yeah. the level of stress is not as high as for example in in spain when where they are uh, accustomed of to be outside and not being refined inside yeah, very i mean really absolutely um and uh, uh, here, um, unfortunately, and it's the death toll, because Britain is not so far behind, people are not allowed to sit on the beach. And they can be meters away from anybody else. So, uh, and that's what was giving me the confidence. Wow, because I was hearing this from, from friends, more fluidity, flexibility, I heard that more than 50% of people in Germany are working, you know, are going out to work, uh, etc. I thought, wow. And, the, and the, the death toll numbers were like 20% of what we're experiencing here. And yet, um, and I thought, maybe, maybe there'd be more flexibility, you know, even more. And, uh, uh, so forth, but still the government, still, you know, understandably in Germany, has decided um, to stay with the situation as it is at the moment. But you're 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 you're, you're re really blessed not to be in Spain and Italy and and Britain and and France as well, because it's much more strict. Now, anyone else? All right, we'll have our quiet minute together, just to finish. Thank you. <clears throat> May all beings be mindful inwardly and outwardly.
may all beings experience the trust to respond. May all beings engage in wise actions. Thank you very much everybody for uh, making a good time uh, to be here uh, this afternoon. Lovely to see you uh, online and may uh, see you again this evening. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye now. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll do the uh, leave meeting button here. <laughs> okay. Thank you.